really got to you, didn't it? Just that motherfucker. <laughs> and you're just like you're just like giggling over there from it. Hey, Mo, that was funny. All right, hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We are doing a special bonus episode for you this week. This is just me and Justin. I know that's not a grammatically correct statement. It should be this is just Justin and I or me. I don't fucking know. Anyway. Justin Sterling, we are here to talk about the uh, movie that also came out the same weekend as Shazam that is getting a little less, you know, uh, conversation about it with uh, Pet Cemetery. Um, I, we're we're going to kind of do this like me and Justin always do. We don't always follow that, you know, the likes, dislikes and, you know, format. We just kind of talk through it all. And I'm going to start this off with cool. this movie in a lot of ways was incredibly disappointing to me based on what I saw in the trailers. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, mm. I guess it was just a big, it was, it just felt like a big letdown to me when, when you like, look at the trailers, the trailers made it look like they really were going to like try to like grab your soul with tension and give you a very dark and brooding and just sinister movie. And I just don't feel like I, I got that with this movie. I mean, I, 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 I did like a, f- a lot of things about it, but to me, the tone and the pacing for this movie was just wildly off from where it should have been. Like, and I know this, even for me, this is getting super negative, super fast. <laughs> a little I bit. Just, <laughs> this movie, like I said, it had some good things about it, but fuck, it felt like it was a chore to watch this. Like, I felt like I got in trouble at home. And my dad came home and he was like, Sterling, I'm really disappointed in you. And I'm like, I'm sorry, dad. I won't do it again. He's like, well, I'm going to make sure you're not. You're going to watch Pet Cemetery. You're going to watch this, the whole thing. And you're going to think about what you did. I'm like, no, dad, don't make me do it. He's like, no, you're going to watch it. And I have to sit through like an hour and 45 minutes that feels like 17 hours. Damn. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Like, it was a very slow played movie for me. But it didn't feel like it was done the right way because I don't felt like the tension served the whole way. Like when you slow play in a horror film, it works if the tension like actually sets that up. If the tension like actually holds the entire time, that works. We've talked about it before with with the the first Alien movie, mm-hmm. uh, with the Descent, things like that. I mean, even us, us did a good job. Of keeping you know tension and stuff like that uh the quiet place or a quiet place great job of keeping tension this movie didn't and it it should have and i think that's what bothered me is this this whole premise allows for tension it's a great story for tension and i just never felt like i got that in this movie <clears throat> do you think that maybe some of that because one thing i noticed about it is with the lack of tension that you're talking about, I don't know if it felt like this to you, but it almost felt like what I like to call sprint tension, kind of like where you have these short bursts, like, okay, we'll do a scene. You know, first we're at a dinner table and the family's talking. Now we're at night, the father is walking down the hallway and he sees something kind of off in the distance. And then he walks and then he walks and then he walks and then he walks and then he looks and it's like, oh, there's nothing. And then his son scares him from behind or something like, you know, how sometimes there are those cheap, just like short burst 
tension things, but because we're not telling, we're not developing characters and we're not developing the narrative, we're not building tension based on the narrative. We're just kind of building a tension based on a scene. That's how I kind of felt like this was, if if that makes sense. I don't know if I made sense there. No, no, no. I, I get what you're saying because it's scenes had tension, but that tension never carried to the next scene. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's the tension was always disconnected. And so it never built. It just kind of showed up left showed up left exactly took the words right out of my mouth that's what i was about to say and that's what it feels like it was a sprint but i think the best horror films are that are are, is when they run that marathon you know what i mean like but but this movie is just like you said it just it shows up then it leaves and then it goes away and then it leaves and then the moment you think it's building towards something Ah, something happens, and now we're just on to the next part. So nothing, all of these good concepts, because there are some good concepts here. And and, and especially if you're somebody who watches, because I watched the original movie just before I watched this one. So the original movie was fresh on my mind going into this. And there are some things presented here that I really thought were better than the original movie that I saw. But Oh, definitely. But just like you said, there is a definite problem with bridging all of these concepts together. And it's it and this movie what killed it was like like we're talking about. It was the parts in between these scenes. We didn't get the right scenes in between to connect things. We didn't develop the right things with the characters to really build that tension to a climax. So we just got little little hints of good parts, little hints of tension. But like you said, it just feels it's hollow, hollow. That's the best word I yeah. can think of for it. Well, and it's and we've talked about this before with other horror movies. There's something to be said about moments of levity to alleviate some tension. But this one didn't do that. It stopped the tension. You know, like A Quiet Place, you know, it had scenes where, you know, like the dad's talking to the kid in the waterfall or when they're all having family dinner and something and stuff like that, where they're, they're moments of like their heartfelt moments in between scenes of tension. But they did a great job in that of still keeping the tension underneath that moment where it kind of ebbed and then crescendoed, you know, like in waves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, you know, so you still felt that you like, you're like, man, this is like a heartfelt moment, but you knew like the, the reason why, like they were still quiet. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that element was still there. So the tension didn't go away. It just went down to like 30% and then would build back up. This movie went from like, it would build itself up to like 70, 80% tension and then just drop it to zero and then come back. It it just, it didn't do that the right way. Like, you know, if it just tried to, you know, lull you into like a false sense of security so it could ramp up the tension again, that would have worked. But it didn't lull you into a false sense of security. It maximized the tension from the scene before, then just stopped and started again. And 
And I think that's why, like I said, this movie feels so long is because even when it does small moments of tension, it would go from like zero to a hundred and then stop and then zero to a hundred and stop. And it would do that like several times in a row. And you're just like, oh, you get so numb to it after a while. Like, you know, it's, it's that weird catch 22 of you can't have tension the whole time or you get numb to it, but you also can't break it up so much that you're numb to it by the end of it too. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely understand that. And that's what I felt like. I mean, that's just a perfect example of what the movie is. It's a bunch of concepts that, that separately, like when you put them in a box are good concepts, but all together, when it was put together in the film, Yes, the same. Yes, we were getting from point A to point B, but that seemed to be the only purpose we were serving. Point, you know, we were just arriving to a different point, arriving to a different part of the story. But the journey from point A to point B wasn't setting up something for when we got to C to journey C through D or journey E through F. Nothing was nothing that happened in the to get from A to B influenced anything at all what happened in the middle of the film or what happened at the end of the film or what happened at the it just it 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 was just kind of scattered well it it felt kind of like a book like every like section of scenes was like a chapter and then it would just end and then it would just start again and yeah and start yes and it's it's funny because as, as much as i said how long this movie felt to me I think what would have helped it out is if they legitimately had made that movie longer. If they actually just gave it time to develop and so they wouldn't have had to rush everything. Because I think that's the problem is every point in this movie is so rushed that you don't really develop anything. Like by the time that, and if you don't know Pet Cemetery, I don't know what the fuck you're doing with your life at this point, but at least just the concept. I understand if you maybe not have seen the movies and you still want to listen or whatever, but you know, you know, the concept of it. And like, by the time they, they buried the daughter and she came back, it felt like then everything happened so quickly after that. Yes. It was just bam, 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 end. And you're just like, whoa, like that was quick. Like, yes. And, and, and a perfect example of that is like, okay, like you said, she gets buried, she comes back. And when she comes back, her and her father have the two scenes. And now the mother is there and then they have their scene and then there's a scene and then now we're killing and now we're um, and now we're at the finale. Like all of that happened so quickly. Like it sounds fast as I said it right there, but that is about the way this happened. We didn't get a chance to really understand like what um, Jason Clark's Lewis, Jason Clark's character Lewis we didn't get a sense for that. What we got some scenes that were interesting, like them when they were laying in the bed and and he's laying next to her and she's talking. That was an interesting scene, but then the, but that was it. <laughs> you know, we didn't get a reaction to that scene. We didn't get to see kind of anything after that to understand where Jason was, where that character, where his character was, where Lewis. The father, Lewis, I'll say Lewis, not the, the actor, where we didn't get to understand where Lewis was at that moment, what what his reaction would be after that. There was no time 
to let that soak in. There was no time to absorb that because immediately after that, the mom comes. So like, so now we're now, and, and then he's trying to tell her, hey, why don't you hug your daughter? But we, we didn't have anything to connect that well. We, we didn't have anything to connect that well. It was just boom, one after the other, like you said. But that's one big example that I can think of. We didn't get time to process either of these parents' reactions to her coming back. Well, we didn't even have time to process the cat coming back. Because the way this True. movie is structured, like I know there's the traditional three-act structure. And I know sometimes people write in a five-act structure or even a four. This movie wrote in a two-act structure. Act one ends with the cat coming back and them seeing it's a little fucked up. And I guess the daughter dying is the end of act one. And then it's just all act two in the movie ends. Hmm. I can see that. Because there's no real like rising of conflict. Like it just never actually like there's no rise and fall at any point. There's no, you know, rising action or anything like that. Like once that daughter dies, it is just breakneck speed to you know the end of the movie and like that's what was so jarring to me and that's why i think it should have been longer because i think that cat needed to die a little earlier in the movie i think they needed to spend a little bit more time i think honestly it, it they they should have seen like a slow descent with the cat not a slow like craziness with it but i think it would have played out better if when the the cat first came back to life and it's there at the house you can hear my cats fighting in the background where we're talking about this. It's very fitting. And the cat seems fine for a little bit. I think it would have been really awesome if they did that. Then the daughter dies and the dad goes and buries the daughter. And then the daughter comes back. And then that's when the cat starts being a little fucked up. Like that's when they realize that that cat's not the same. <laughs> and it's, it's now too late because the daughter's already back too. Yeah. And then right after that, he starts realizing and actually have the mom be happy. The daughter's back. Yes. And, and, and have it play and have, have them act like everything's fine. And she just can't go to school anymore. And Gage can't talk about her anymore. It's fine. You know, but she'll still be with the family. And then the cat starts being a little bad and starts being evil and all this other stuff. And they're like, fuck. And then the daughter starts being a little fucked up. Yep. Daughter starts talking back, saying weird things acting like it's not even her and yes if you would have developed those concepts like that oh man you it would have been great by the time you got to the end and yeah and you could have then you know they had that scene where the mom's like no this is wrong all this other stuff and the dad's like no it's fine you still could have had that because then after the daughter's really like in the deep end of like demonic evil shit that's when the mom's like no we have to we have to this isn't right. We have to undo this. And the dad could be like, no, no, we don't. We can't do that. You can still have that part. You can still have those scenes. It could just actually have some weight to it. I like, like that. I like that. And actually, kind of how the daughter was treating the father a little better because it was the father who brought her back or the Wendigo, however you want to describe that. So maybe that's, that <laughs> yeah, so that's, so maybe that's how you explain that slow descent into just absolute shit. Like she starts kind of resenting the mom first, 
that's the one who who's getting kind of the resentment. And meanwhile, the father is is kind of maybe he senses it, but she treats him better. He's the he's responsible for this. Meanwhile, the mom maybe is kind of getting shit on a little bit more and maybe not not as not overly done. But, you know, like you said, it's a subtle thing. And so maybe that's why the father is not so quick to believe that something is wrong here. Maybe that's why he's a little, um, it takes longer for him to make the same realizations as the mom. But even even something like that, you almost could have done. Well, you can have it to where, you know, they're keeping her alive in secret. And then the neighbor guy ends up seeing her. And he comes over and he talks with the family and he's like, look, this is a bad thing. This is bad. And then the daughter goes and kills him that night. More or less kind of something like what happened in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then the mom, the mom can be like, this is fucked. And the dad's like, no, it's fine. She just, you know, she was scared because she didn't know what was going to happen with it. It's, it, it's fine. Nobody's going to know. It'll be fine. And the mother's just like, it's not. And the daughter hears it all. And so then like the next day, the daughter's just evil towards her mom you know what i mean just like she knows that the mom is not on her side anymore but the dad is and build it just like you were saying you know she slowly starts resenting her mom and doing fucked up things to her mom more and more and more until like you know like the mom wakes up like covered in animal blood or something oh shit you know what i mean something like that like and it just like yeah you know and you can still have it played out because I didn't have a problem with the way the movie ended or that whole, the way they changed it from the original. You know what I mean? I didn't have a problem with any of that. I just had a problem with how everything led up to it. <laughs> Did It just didn't feel right. Like the ending of that movie, I didn't feel like the rest of the movie like deserved that ending. There's That's a too good many way to put pieces. it. Yeah. It did. Nothing got. None of, since nothing got a chance to breathe by the time you get to the end, I, I like how you said that the movie that you got didn't deserve that ending that that we got because that was a good ending. Like in a bubble, if 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 that is a good ending, that that was a good concept. I really enjoyed that. Made a lot of sense to me. I enjoyed that ending, but no, like you said, but the movie we got didn't build to that. If we had gotten the right build to that, and and your example, kind of compartmentalizing that story a little better and spending some more time with some of those characters, especially the ones that are turning to get to understand this a little bit better. Oh, man, that ending would have hit like a ton of bricks. It would have just been on target if we had gotten that in the film. Yeah, it, it just it was just so disjointed and like. I mean, a really good example of how disjointed it feels is very, 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 very early in the movie, a kid gets hit by a car and brought to the university hospital where the the dad is is working. And then he does that whole he's dead, but gives him a warning thing, which makes no sense at that time in the movie. Like, yeah, it doesn't. That would have made that would have made sense after the scene where he buries the cat. Yes. After he's already done something to cross that veil but no they do that before that and i'm like why like he's done nothing to cross the veil he, he doesn't even know the veil exists yeah so, so why, why are you why, why, why was the warning that? about crossing a barrier yeah 
exactly yes that that warning i think is like a self-fulfilling prophecy to for him to break the barrier <laughs> yeah like that's what that leads to because he does he starts like walking in the forest and shit because of that because of that that whole barrier thing i'm like that and it's dumb it's just dumb it was just a scene for some weird grotesque like gore without it being gory it was gory without being gore and or without being violent i should say it was gory without being violent and then just nothing god it was so fucking dumb and i don't even think any of that made sense like the wounds he had like she was like i can see his brain which you could but it didn't even look like the skull was broken around it it looked like his brain had just like his skull like slowly faded away and his brain was there kind of like uh what's his name lord zed <laughs> yeah. how his brain just showed and it because like, he didn't have part of the skull but yeah. it wasn't like there was a there was no thickness to the skull that's how this was like it looked like one of the martians off of fucking mars attacks like his his the the skin on his head was flush with his brain flesh and i'm like yeah because they just stuck some brain prosthetics on the side of this fucker's head but like it was just it it yes it's a very gory scene but at the same time looks so stupid to me it was just, I was like, why, why does it look like that? It's all flush. I was like, why? Like, and it's, it's something I've said before. And I brought this up with the movie us. If your movie is giving me enough time to think of these things as the scenes happen, you're doing it wrong. And yep. that's what that scene did to me is I'm instant. I'm instantly questioning everything about these scenes. And because the movie gives me zero reason not to, because it's, like like we talked about earlier, there's those gaps in the tension and all those gaps did while it's happening. My brain is just thinking about how stupid or like how like it didn't work in like the scene before it. Like the the my gap the my gap moments were spent thinking about how the tension was underutilized in the scene before every time. And that was the problem with its pacing. Is it built in moments for my brain to go? No, I don't like that. Don't do that again. And then it would do it again. And my brain would go, no, just stop it. You stop it. That's a bad movie. You stop it. And just kept doing it over and over again. Yeah. And, and, and in some of those scenes, it almost felt like once they got you to the jump scare, the mission was accomplished. Like, okay. Like it would oh, get to I a certain exactly point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it would get to a certain oh. point in a scene and then it would go jump scare. All right. We did it. High five. Okay. Next scene. And sometimes well, every, that, every yeah. scene, well, no, every scene of this movie was like a level of Mario. Like you go through the whole thing and then the jump scare is you jumping on the flagpole mm-hmm. and it telling you how many points you got for that level. And then you just move on to the next one. Yep. <laughs> yep. There was a, a quite a bit of that. And to your point back to the, uh, the, the kid that, that died. The Lord Zed kid. Now I'm just going to call him Lord Zed. Because uh, <laughs> that just made me laugh hysterically and I had to mute myself. But the Lord Zed kid. Like, I get that in the original movie, that that is kind of what happened. There was a kid, he tried to help him, and the kid keeps coming back going, oh, you tried to help me, so I help you. But that was, what, 19? When was, when was the Pet Cemetery made? 19 well whatever it was 19 whatever i mean we know it was in the 1900s yeah somewhere between 1901 and 1999 okay that we'll go with that it was not it was made in 19 whatever okay man 89 okay 89 89 
All right, so that was 89. But now we're in the 2000, man. And if you're going to update this shit, you, you got to do better than that. And like you said, him warning him prior to anything happening is dumb. Why couldn't that kid have been one of the kids that was going to the pet cemetery or something like that? Maybe this kid that gets ran over is somebody who has ties to who's who plays over there. He's one of those kids who helped do the burial ritual or whatever. Or maybe he's one of the kids, you know, maybe he's got a connection to the pet cemetery so that I we mean, or I would. I would say just at least or wait five minutes and have him go to the cemetery first and then start doing it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, even yeah. Okay, well, hell, yeah, you're right. Yeah, why couldn't he? Why couldn't you have put that scene first? They visit there, and maybe he's kind of like, man, well, what's up over there? And then the person's like, no, nah, you don't want to go over there, dog. You know, <laughs> and then so he's like, uh, okay, well, that was interesting. Wasn't that interesting, daughter? The Pet Cemetery. Then you have, yeah, I see what you're saying. Then when that kid dies and there, and he starts saying, don't ever go over there and stuff, now it, we've made sense because the father's already been there, blah, 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 you know. But they well, did it just the, like 1989. The they just mimicked well, 1989 on that to part. Me, to me, they didn't, though, because it never felt like a spirit trying to help him. It it felt like a spirit trying to like um, reverse psychology him to do it. Oh yeah, because like of he, the order. Of the like sick. that's what it felt like to me. Well, no, just in general, like the way he, the all the times that that spirit guy shows up to like warn him, it just kind of feels like he's just sitting there going, "No, y I know you don't want to do that, do you?" <laughs> like it seems like he's weirdly using reverse psychology to get him to do all the dumb shit. Instead of warning him, he, it seems like he's egging him on by just saying, you don't want to, because we all have those friends, because I have been that friend to some people, where if you tell them to not do something or they shouldn't do something, you know, they're just going to do it. And at some point, you know, you could trick them into doing something really stupid if you just tell them they shouldn't do it. Like I said, I have been that friend to other people. I have snorted a gigantic line of salt like it was cocaine and I was... What's his name from fucking Scarface? Um, Tony Montana. Tony Montana. I snorted a line of salt just like that fucker with his cocaine because some people bet me too slash said I wouldn't do it. And I did. And I got my five dollars. And it felt like that's what that ghost was doing to that guy. Like, and it just and that's why it felt wrong. Like, it didn't feel like a foreboding spirit trying to warn him. It just felt like he was like a spirit. There was just there to further the plot by tricking the guy into doing it, which that would have been fine too. If like at the end of the movie, they are like towards the end, he realizes that that guy was leading him down the wrong path intentionally. Like it was a, like, you know, a maligned spirit of some sort hmm. tricking and in, into using the pet cemetery or something like that. Huh? I would have accepted that because that's what it felt like. It felt like that ghost's agenda was for him to do all that dumb shit. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I, I know we're, at least I'm shitting on this movie a lot. I will say this, though. I loved the way this movie looked, though. Yeah. Aesthetically speaking, this movie is phenomenal. Yes, especially how the Pet Cemetery looked. Like, oh, yeah. It looked wonderful. Like, it, it looks, it looked 
amazing. Like just aesthetic, aesthetically speaking. Oh man, it looked amazing. Dark, dreary. It had that mysterious aura to it. Like it just looked phenomenal for sure. The, especially the pet cemetery to me. Um, that little the 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 kid parade with those weird masks. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, because that's something they added to this. Um, I th- I thought a lot of those scenes looked good. You know, it's it's once again this movie didn't deserve the visuals it got. <laughs> it it didn't earn them. It didn't earn the aesthetics that it actually put in place. Because I really really like them. <coughs> I like some of the shots where they had a. Uh, like at the pet cemetery, but when you just kind of see off in the distance, like it looks like there's like a storm going on in the background, uh, yeah, stuff like that. But, yeah, but it didn't. It it didn't look like a normal storm. It looked like that evil, ominous storm and stuff like that. Like I thought those were done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked I liked the way that uh, what the cat church. I liked the way he looked when he came back. Yeah. Oh yeah, the um, feral look. I liked, yeah. Yeah, I like I liked the way the daughter looked when she came back. I thought a lot of those things were really good. Um, it's just, I guess one thing that kind of bothered me with this movie also is the fact that as a reboot, this movie didn't know what it wanted to do. It didn't know if it wanted to like scene for scene remake the first one or if it wanted to reimagine the first one or did it want to follow the book more than the first one? It kind of it seemed like it tried to do all three. Yes, and it just kind of made it disjointed. It did, you know, like because I mean, there are scenes that is just straight rip off of the first movie, and then there are scenes where they intentionally use the first movie and what happens in it to fake you out to do something different. Yes, but it didn't feel like they always did that to serve a purpose, though. It felt like they did it just to, like, you know, to make you double take, to make you go, "Oh, got me." Like, and that's it. That was the only reason why they did it. Like, I liked the fact that they had the daughter die in this one. Yes, it was a I good idea. I thought that was a very, very nice touch. That was a nice touch to it. But they didn't make me care enough by the end of the movie for that to actually have mattered. Yeah. Like. Yeah, that was the, the issue. You like, you, it needed to make me care that the daughter died and not the son. Like, justify it. Don't just make it happen just because you want to be different. Because you're not that different. You're still killing a kid the same way. Like, that's another thing, too. I know that that's the accurate way to kill the kid, I think, based off the books. I never read Pet Cemetery. I'm just assuming that, considering both movies did it. If you really wanted to, like, make me double take something, have the kid not die from a car. Hmm. Yeah. Make it double, make me, like, juke me out by making me think it. Because you already made me think it at the beginning when they did that whole, the truck goes by as soon as they move in. Yeah. And they're just like, they're looking at that road going, oh, that looks dangerous. Just, and it's not even foreshadowing that that's what's going to happen. That's just a blatant callback to the first movie going, you've seen the first movie, so you know what that means. Yeah. Like, that's all that. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. Yeah. That wasn't to foreshadow. That scene was just to go, you know what we're going to do. I'm not foreshadowing shit. I am straight up telling you. Remember the first movie? We doing it. And I think they should have, if they were, I think they should have set it up the same way, just like that. But I think it should have been something different that killed her. And I personally would have had it have been something that might have made not, not the dad feel like not have it be the dad's fault, but have the dad feel like it was his fault more. So directly like something directly happening with her dad 
that caused her death. Yeah. And that way yeah. the, dad, the dad's guilt. I mean, yes, because there's already going to be a strong sense of emotion that your child died and everything like that. But I just want to ramp up his guilt and pain even more so. And I know that sounds cruel, but I want to make him just suffer to justify even more with him bringing her back to life. And you've got a talented enough actor that could do that and bring some very and could display those layers. You have the right actor. So you could you could have done that. And I think that would have hit home a little bit more and it would have been different enough. And like you said, you you could have still used that tease because I like the teases, especially because I just watched the original. So when I'm thinking, you, you know, I liked the teases, but yeah, I think that would have been more effective because you still could have had that tease, like you said, but maybe nobody dies there and then she it winds up being something else and then the father i like the father the kind of thinking it was his fault because then we could like you said we could have fleshed out that father a little more we we could have had some more pivotal scenes with him and then by the time he is ready to try to bury his daughter beyond the pet cemetery then that all comes to a head uh, same thing with the daughter. Maybe we should have spent a little more time with that, too. If she was going to come back and wreak havoc, maybe we needed to know we needed more development with her. But like you said, it was trying to do all of these things. So it had to build at the beginning of, uh, towards the beginning of the film as if it was going to be the same movie as that we already saw. It had to build that way because they were trying to do that. But and then they swerved you and said, nope, as we're actually doing something different. And you're like, "Okay, man. And you wanted to be on board, man. I I was I felt that they had me at certain points. And then by the end. But but the problem is, like you said, because we didn't dedicate to one idea, you spend the first act acting like it's just a, a replay of the original then you, you switch it up a little bit in the second act but that only lead or or like you said it's just all the third the second act and then so by the time we get this differing thing at the end nothing you developed in the first and second act led to that because you're too busy trying to trick us you're too busy trying to do the same they thing don't, and they, it's yeah they don't correlate to each other yeah at all because the dog the daughter dying is, I think, the beginning of the second act. And because that's where the first real change from the original story goes. You know, that's the big change. Yeah, that's the big one. But but it's like you said, they spent so much of the first act mimicking the first movie. Yes. That all of a sudden, when it's, a, when it's the second act and it's different, they don't coincide. At all. At it's, all. And, I mean, and, and you touched on it, so I think we should talk about it a little more. What did you think of the acting performances in this movie? Well, overall, I mean, especially coming from the 1989 one, because I'm sorry, man, like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a Pet Cemetery fan, you know, not I wouldn't say a fanatic, but I've always been kind of a fan of Pet Cemetery and stuff. But man, watching the 1989, the acting in the 1989 one was terrible. Now, granted, Maybe it just didn't age well. Maybe that's the better way of putting it. But man, 
some of that acting was so suspect in the 1989. And I thought this definitely did a better job. I thought I loved uh, John Lithgow. I thought he was really good here. Like I thought um, he did a really good job as Judd. And some of the stuff they added to the Judd character made it a little more because in the first movie, he just kind of comes off as a person who's like, oh, yeah, let's bury him over. Let's bury the cat over here. Oh, yeah. And he's very like withholding and doesn't say anything and uh, kind of. St- and, and then we never really get an explanation for why he did this to this family in the first place. So he comes off as a real Thank asshole you. in 1989. Thank you. Yeah. He comes off as a superlative asshole in 1989 at least in this there was at least and with john lithgow's performance and at least in this you got the sense that he was like you know i just really fell in love with your daughter i really liked her i just didn't want to see her sad and you know uh, i thought that maybe if we buried that cat up there and it came back the cat was already nice my dog was mean. My dog was already morose and shit. So, you know, I, I just, I convinced myself that maybe this would be okay. He seemed like a human being in this shit. In the other one, he just seemed like well, a horrible person. <laughs> well, but to me, the dog story, like the dog aspect of the story, doesn't play well with this because they were kind of hinting and foreboding that he had. Of a deep, intimate connection with the pet cemetery, and it being just his dog didn't feel like it paid off well. I, I can see where you're going with that. With yeah, with with how much they played it as a deep, dark secret. I was totally expecting him to say, "Yeah, I brought my wife back to life." That would have been you cool, know, something like that. Yeah, that would have been better. And, and she was just, and she, and she turned. And he and she was just like locked away in the basement or something. That's what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be super dark and twisted. But then it was just like my dog and he was mean. So I thought that's why he was extra mean. And I was like, oh, that's it, bro. Like, I love John Lithgow. And like you said, he brought a level of humanity to that role that it desperately needed. But at the same time. I think he overacted the fuck out of that because he seemed like a dark, tormented person. Hmm. That ultimately, what was tormenting him didn't feel like it measured up to the level of torment he acted like he had. Like okay, John Lithgow acted just—he acted too good to justify what that story gave him. <laughs> okay, it's almost—it's almost like he hadn't read that page in the script yet to say what it was, like that what his secret was. And the director just kept telling him, you have a dark secret, act this scene. And he would act and he would do it and he would be amazing at it. And then he got to that scene where they were like, this is your secret. And he went, wait, what? I've been acting like this the whole movie and this is what you're telling me? This is it? Did you not see <laughs> what I was doing in these previous scenes? This isn't that secret. This is not the secret I have been acting towards this entire movie. Okay, yeah, you totally got me there. You you are you are absolutely right about that because yeah, the what we wound up getting was the dog, but you're right. The acting that he was doing and the acting and the way that he was looking and the wife would have been perfect because that would have been a perfect homage 
to what happened in the original because we know that a wife gets brought back. And then you could have kind of, but that's the twist on it, that Judd is the one who tried to bring his wife back. But instead of the wife killing him, like in the original Pet Cemetery, he kills her. And that's why he keeps that gun. That would explain that gun. That would explain, you know, that that could have given some story to a lot of the things at his house. That would have that that would have been the reason why he's alone and why he could never get over that because he had to kill his wife, dude. Yes, you just made that yes. ten times fucking better. Like because with that one, I thing, thought that that's what it was fucking leading up to that entire time. That's what I was thinking. Man, I'm and then mad it was they dog, didn't do that went, now. <laughs> it was dog, and I just started looking around the theater, going, "Is not." Is no one else disappointed in this like me? <laughs> I was looking around, looking for just one other motherfucker to be looking around that theater and us like eye to eye to each other and be like, that's it? That's that that's what they led to? It blew my fucking mind. Because like you said, it's it's everything that led up to it just was making me think, oh, this is gonna be some shit. Because like you said, that gun, the the way the house was so disheveled, like how he talked about his wife, everything like that. I was yeah. Like, he brought her back and killed her. Or what if the Fuck. or the damn dog or, killed or, the wife? Something. Something. Yes, or just or like I said, or that the wife is like turned and she's like he's got her chained up in the basement and he's got that gun just in case she ever but like just in case she ever escapes. But he couldn't bring himself to kill her or something. I just really thought it was gonna be this dark, twisted, just mind fuck of a situation. And it was just Lassie. <laughs> I was like, oh, like what? And it's and it's like you said, John Lithgow did so much with what he had on that. He was this sympathetic character. But at the same time, like I said, he felt like he was harboring the secret. And you felt it. You felt that. And whenever, whenever he was t when he would like the way he would totally change. Yeah. Between talking about certain things like that, you felt it. Yeah. In his performance. That there was a secret. I mean, for the most part, though, I, I, I thought that most of these performances in this movie were great. Yeah, I thought the dad was was holding his own. I, th I thought even the daughter, which child actors typically annoy me because they're fucking kids. You know, they have the emotional range of kids. So that bothers me most of the time. But the, the, the daughter was great. I thought the mom was great. I thought most of the actors in this movie were great. I just don't think this script gave them anything worth fucking acting in. No, you're right, man. You're right. And just quickly about the daughter. Uh, Jeet. I don't know how you say that. I'm looking at the cast. Uh, Jete, Jeet, Lawrence, man, Ellie. We'll just say Ellie. That's the character's name in the film. My goodness, man. I mean, undead Ellie and regular Ellie, I mean, were night and day. She was, and when she was undead Ellie, she was creepy. The the very kind of dry humor kind of stuff that she would say was kind of funny. Like when the mom was running up the stairs and she's like, she doesn't want me here, but that's okay. I don't want her here either. You know, just the blunt, just stuff well, that she would say. Like, all that was great shit, man. Like, I loved her. I fucking loved her. Especially. But, oh, go ahead. Especially coming off the back of us. 
yes. and seeing Lupita do the same thing. Yes, yes. She did. She did a version of that too. This little girl did an amazing version of the same type of thing. She played two different characters. You know, it wasn't just one character and then a slightly different version of the same character. It felt like two different characters. She showed more acting range than I can get than I've seen in some adults in movies. This movie, her acting in this movie is more acting than Tara Reid has had in her entire fucking career. Agreed. Like, not even close. I mean, (laughs) what a talent. What a talent she is. Like, I am hoping, I am hoping that this, this, this little girl does more shit because she is great. Um, and you know, it's just, it was just like I said, it's a real shame. Like, this script they gave her, like, dark, twisted little girl. God, if they had like 15 more minutes of building that character, oh my gosh, that finale. Yes. Oh my gosh, man. It would have been so fucking good because she could have nailed it. Yes. Yes. She would have nailed all those scenes. And if you weren't so busy developing the the first half of the film like it was going to be all the old shit, you could have paid more attention to her as regular Ellie. We could have really been kind of delving in and developing and they and they did inklings, but they but they abandoned it. Her and John Lithgow had some good scenes together, but there just wasn't enough of that, man. There wasn't enough of that because it was too busy. They gave us a little bit of that, but there, but there wasn't enough because they were too busy trying to make us think that that little boy was going to get it again, just like in the first one. And that's a damn shame. I totally agree with you. Well, man, I kind of feel like when they started making this movie, the plan was to kill the little boy again. And while they were filming it, they went, man, this little girl's a much better actor. Let's kill her instead. And then they just randomly made that change. And that's why the first half of the movie just feels so much like the original is because that's what they were doing. And then they flipped it and just kind of had to keep rolling with what they had. Which it was a great idea because in the original, when the little boy comes back, it almost felt like a Chucky doll or a, I don't know. It was just, it's just a bit like, okay, this killer little boy. Okay, whatever. But she was, and he couldn't talk. And, you know, it was just, there's only, back then it was okay. But nowadays, the daughter was a better choice. She was older. She could talk. She could, and and having her come back and have interactions with the family was a Damn good idea. But man, I just wish, like you said, I mean, we've said it a hundred times, but it can't be said enough. If we have the development, if we have the bridge to get there like we should have, man, that would have been great. Because on paper, that is a better idea than what this original movie had. That was a better way to go. And they just, you know, yeah. Well, and maybe you can correct me since you've seen this. You've seen the original uh, more recently than I have. I think it's been it's been a few years since I saw that one. But if I'm remembering correctly, like whenever he was essentially like little like evil little boy, it did pretty much like every other li- evil little boy in horror movies in the 70s, 80s and 90s where he just did angry little boy face. Yep. Angry boy face. A lot. Yep. And yeah, like and that was the stereotypical. Yeah. 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 That stuff. 
He just did that that really crunched up eyebrows, you know, like that scowling look on his face. He's like, I'm angry little boy. Yep. <laughs> and that's how you knew he was evil. Yep. And then like, and, uh, and that's what's so refreshing about this, though. That little girl, like the way she talked and moved and and like you said, her tone oozed just demonic evil. Yes. And it was so like, and it wasn't over the top. That's why I fucking love her. Like, I am a fan now because it wasn't over the top. It was subtle enough to where it, it, it felt like it was this demon trying to be a little girl, but the demon kept coming out, you know, but the demon can only be so much of a little girl before the real shit comes out, you know, but the real person comes out. So that's kind of how that performance felt like. At first, it was daddy and where am I and stuff like that and daddy. But every now and then, the demon would come out. Oh, that's okay. I don't want her here either. You know, and then just walk off and almost as if it didn't realize that you just totally revealed yourself, dude. But that's how it felt. <laughs> that's how it felt. And that's how she, she just played that part so well. So well. Yeah. Oh, damn, there's a sports alert. Yeah, sorry um, <laughs> for my random ESPN <laughs> update on my tablet. <laughs> hey, no, at least at least it really was a sports update. I mean, that's fine. It's a very iconic, like, that's a distinct, we know what's going on on that that tone. Yes. <laughs> um, but like, also, I didn't like the way, and maybe that's from the books, I don't know, but the whole Wendigo thing, I don't remember that in the movie, the first movie, the original movie. No. I think they just more or less had to be right and they just came back evil yeah they just come back evil oh that was an old indian barrel ground and who knows what goes on over there and once you go under you come back different that that's kind of the way that was about the description you get in the original and i mean don't get me wrong i'm not an expert on wendigo lore <laughs> um but what i do know of wendigos and stuff like that this still doesn't fit that and that bothers me like, it felt like they just picked a word that wasn't demon and just went, it'll be that. Because it does kind of fall along the lines of the original of, like, you know, the Indian burial ground and stuff like that. Because the Wendigo is from Native American legend. I think it's more Canadian, I think, than actual American. If I'm remembering correctly, it's more Canadian than it is, like, America. But it's still in in the folklore of that. And so I think that was their way of saying you know, tying it back to like Native Americans and indigenous peoples and stuff like that into their culture without just saying Indian burial ground, which I get that in today's culture, not wanting to necessarily just default to Indian burial ground. Shit's evil. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Yeah. I'm not against that. But if you wanted to tie it into like Native American lore or something, just have them say it was a cursed land instead, you know. Like the old tribes used to think this was a cursed land because nothing could live here. And they felt like, you know, like, e like evil spirits or demons like inhabited the ground here. Just say that then. Yeah. You totally why, could have went that way. Why just throw it in the go? Why, like, like, so then that way you're still using the same cultural elements like you were in the first one and just not have it be disrespectful. Just have them say like, oh no, they stayed away from this area because it was fucked. So we're dumb white people. We're going to do it. Then just have it be that. That's fine. But instead, they just went and picked a word from like native like lore just to say the word Wendigo. 
Because my always understanding was the Wendigo was essentially a demon, not necessarily a demon, but like a monster or a presence that would possess you after you ate another human. Hmm. Damn. That, tied that sounds far scarier than <laughs> what we got. <laughs> well, and that's why, that's why I'm remember if I'm remembering correctly, it's, it, it's like kind of dealt with more like Canadian tribes and stuff like that, because you theoretically could get trapped out in the snow with another person and they die and you need to live and you're trapped and isolated and like cold and you eat a person, um, you know, that's where it tied into more is does does any of that have any correlation with Stephen King's book? Did he have a Wendigo in his book? Do you know by any chance? See, I wonder that's what I don't know. Um, and, and maybe he did, but I, I thought he, I thought they actually had it the same as in the first movie. I thought his, the book was, it was an Indian burial ground and that's why it did stuff. It had magic, you know, powers. Um, and so I thought that that's why I just thought they just used Wendigo to keep the lore kind of the same without just being not as politically correct. And it was just stupid. I'm looking it up. Yeah. Just to this. make. Yeah. I was trying to just to make sure just in case and just to see. And even if. OK. And even if he did have it, how what what to what extent did he use it like they used it in the movie? Or was it just kind of more of a mysterious thing and never showed itself? Or was it like a... What What I'm seeing on the Wikipedia, which I know is not a perfect source, but it just says demon. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah, it just says a, a demon um, comes back. Hmm. Okay. So. Well, hell, that's more than what I... I hell, the, I didn't even know any of that the, from Native American lore or any of that. The only Wendigo... I remember or knew about was from the was from Marvel. Wasn't there like what didn't he fight Wolverine or yeah. something? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like is that the well, same no, he, motherfucker? He, the first appearance Yes, the Wendigo. The first appearance of Wolverine was um against the Hulk while the Hulk was fighting a Wendigo in Canada. Okay. So Okay. That okay, then that's and, what I remember. But see, they do kind of have, and they, even in that, they kind of do lean into the cannibalism of it all. Because if the Wendigo bites you, you can it can turn you into a Wendigo too. Now, I'm not saying that that's like one for one the same as you know eating somebody and becoming a Wendigo, but it's still a human biting another person thing that causes a Wendigo, and that's why they they have it like that. It's a curse in in the in the comics, if I'm remembering correctly, and it's. If anybody remembers the Wendigo origin story, for the love of God, you're more ridiculous than I am. But the Wendigo is like a curse. And so that's why it spreads through biting, kind of like. But if you, you can you can undo it, you can unbecome a Wendigo in the comics. I know there was one time with the son of, of Captain Marvel, uh Genisvel. Um, he fought like an army of Wendigos. I mean, I know my boy Moon Knight has thrown it down against some Wendigos and one. So, I mean, they can't be that bad. I remember, I mean, and this will this will definitely show. Stand up against the chucks. <laughs> oh God, the chucks! And, and you saying that just triggered a memory. Speaking of the thinking about Moon Knight and video games and Marvel games, I remember the six-player arcade X Men, and one of the bosses mm -hmm. was the Wendigo. Yeah, where they go? And he'd jump and claw you, and he was bullshit. I hated fighting him because he sucked. But it was 
Yeah, he was in there because <laughs> he, he he's tied a lot. He's a tied in a lot to uh, Wolverine. Because, like I said, typically when they fight the Wendigo, it's up in Canada. That's why he's mm-hmm. got a lot of ties with Wolverine. He's got a lot of ties with uh, Alpha Flight um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, he just kind of shows up in the, in that regard. Um, now, I do have to ask, what did you think of the cover of Pet Cemetery by the band Starcrawler for this movie? Hmm. Indifferent. I mean, I didn't... I mean, I I listened to it, but I didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't, I didn't go, oh man, this is a great cover or, oh, this is, I like this version. I don't even remember reacting much to it at all. I definitely heard it, but I, I didn't, I didn't react much to it at all. Honestly, that is me being a hundred percent honest. I, I mean, I, I did like it. I thought, okay. um, it just, it kind of stuck with me a little bit. I liked um, like I guess in a way it was like like I don't know if you remember uh the um the uh song that what uh Fallout Boy did for the new Ghostbusters, um, where that just felt weird. Um, and I thought I think I know what you're talking about, man. And they and they did it with somebody and they were with somebody too. There was somebody else on that song, but they did a you know, it it, it felt like they were trying to do a new song, but try to keep some of the old elements of it like with the whole ghostbusters thing like but it just still didn't feel it didn't feel right when you think about the original ghostbusters song they should have just done an actual cover of the song mm. and it didn't feel like they did that and and for all i know it it it, it, it kind of was then that's the problem is like it was a cover but wasn't whereas that's what i liked about this one is it was it was a cover just done by a different band that just kind of slightly made it their style, but didn't change it so much that it was unrecognizable. That's true. You know? that, that That's true. And I liked, I really liked that, that lady's vocals. Uh, I, I, I looked them up afterwards. Her name is Arrow DeWild. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I, I, I just thought it was a really, it was a nice way of updating the song. And it, it just, to me, it felt really, it, it felt good. Um, after that, after that movie, it was a nice palate cleanser mm. after I was done with this movie. And because I, I double featured this thing because I went to the movie theater and I watched Shazam and Pet Cemetery back to back. Like I had about 10 minutes between one ending and the next one starting. God. Like, yeah, I was I was at the movie theater for some hours. And so I just went back to back, you know, and it just, oh. I, and I've done that a couple of times, and I did not feel good after doing this one. I mean, everybody's going to get to hear, you know, me talk about Shazam and the other podcast, but oh, I kind of wish I had done them in the other order. I kind of wish wish I watched Pet Cemetery first and then Shazam. I think that would have been a better order to watch this in. It's just I don't know. Like we've talked about this movie, there it's so weird. Like there are so many things I did like about this movie, and. Like there were so many concepts, they were so good, and they were either just underutilized or just implemented wrong in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a shame. Like this is the this is the movie version of somebody not living up to their potential. Yeah, because <laughs> this had all the, and every scene breaks down that way. Every scene doesn't live up to its potential, and it's not the actor's fault. I really, I really can't stress how much. I enjoyed the acting in this movie. I thought everybody in this movie were acting infinitely better than this movie was. 
they 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 definitely and, elevated the material because of their acting not elevating it enough for you to forgive or forget about its problems but boy but yes they elevated it beyond well, what it could have been yeah for sure it's like this movie was a, a horror movie remake version of iron lady like <laughs> great acting performances just garbage fucking movie Meryl Streep <laughs> I mean fuck Meryl Streep won an Academy Award for that piece of shit yep <laughs> and if they do a horror movie award show and I think most of the people in here need to win acting awards for their roles in this because they were great outside well I say that there was there was a lot of great acting performances in us too you know so maybe I'm wrong on that but some people should win some Academy Awards for or horror Academy Awards for this. Like John Lithgow, John Lithgow, if they do have a horror Academy Award show, John Lithgow should win Best Supporting Actor. Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement. Great. I'm totally in agreement. He was he was wonderful, man. He was really wonderful, like completely. That was one of the most nuanced performances I've seen in a horror film ever. Yeah, I agree. And just what and why he the did fuck was with it that in this character, movie? like what he took, what that character was in 1989 in that film and what he did with the character, it almost makes me want to read the book because I want to know, like, if that's where he got his source material, I'm just wondering how much Stephen King dives into this character in the book. Like, it makes me wonder, should I be reading See, that book? what I want... Because Stephen King books are very, very long. What I want is I want an audiobook read to me by John Lithgow as that character. Nice. That's what I want. Nice. Like, and that's the other thing, too. Is movie studios need to learn. They need to stop taking Stephen King books that are like 500 pages long and making like an hour and 45 minute fucking film out of them. They need to stop that shit. Yeah. Yeah. It never works out good. It doesn't. Like, like, think about it. One of the best Stephen King remakes out there is the new It. And we've only seen half of it so far. And I can say that it's, it's one of the best still, even not including the second half, because they split the story up into two movies. Exactly. Just imagine or, if they tried to get that whole shit in one movie. Just imagine. It would have been a train wreck of unwatchable bullshit. Yeah. It would have been this. And it would have been, basically, it would have been this, but worse. It would have been worse than this, but it would have been kind of like this, though, right? Like, all these scenes, all these sprints, all these quick scenes to get to this, to that, to this, to that, to this, to that, you know, just scenes on piling scenes up so that we can get to this resolution here at the end. I mean, it would have just been, it would have been kind of like this. A lot of scenes, a lot of good actors, and just no development, no time in between to really build from scene to scene. That's what it would have been. Very true. Very. I mean, I I cannot disagree with you. Like another really good Stephen King adaptation is a a, a series they did on Hulu called Castle Rock. But once again, series. <laughs> so it's some hours long. So it works. No, it doesn't work. When you try to take like a seven book Stephen King series that is just thousands of pages of story and take just a big chunk of it and try to make a movie like they did with uh, The Dark Tower. Mm -hmm. Like one of the few Stephen King things that works in a very, very short film 
and I don't want to say a very, very short film, but a very condensed film was Misery. Misery works very well, but it also works because it's a story built around two characters only. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's very easy to build a story when you've just got two characters the entire time. I mean, the, the original Carrie works very well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a lot of Stephen King shit that's been made into movies. The reason why a lot of people remember them as being scary, but if you really think about it and you really look back on it, most of them weren't like Cujo. Cujo's not really a scary movie. It's a very scary concept. Mm hmm. Especially with, you know, when you look at the book, the book is scary, I'm sure. But the movie's not. Mm -hmm. the, the original Pet Cemetery. when you really think about it, it's not scary. And you know what? I've said this before, but I said this before we had the podcast. But I said this before whenever it did come, when the remake came out about the original version of it. I'm going to tell all of you fuckers now. This is like a PSA for me. <laughs> Two people out there. When this, this, this fall... When chapter two of it comes out, don't be lying assholes and talk about how the original it movie was scarier and how all this other stuff about the original it movie. For one, your logic is already flawed because the original it was not a movie. It was a made for TV, like two part miniseries that aired on ABC, if I'm not incorrect. It showed on like a Sunday night and Monday night. And for all you people that are way too young, that used to be how they did these things. It was it Sunday night and Monday night? But it was made for TV and it's garbage. It's <laughs> just the most janky ass bullshit you could ever see. Now, Tim, Tim Curry is a very good Pennywise. But visually speaking, they were so hampered by the fact that this shit was on TV and primetime TV nonetheless, that while he does a, a great Pennywise, he's not a scary Pennywise. He's really not. They're garbage. So I'm just telling people, don't don't lie to your friends and say the original one scared you because it didn't. Don't tell them you saw the movie because it wasn't a movie. And for the love of God, if I hear anyone tell me that they remember watching the original It in theaters and it scared them so much, I will fucking snap and I will slap <laughs> you because I'm telling you now it was not in theaters. Listen to me. I'm doing this for your own sake. So when you tell your bullshit lies to your friends, you're less likely to be called out on it because it was not in theaters. Now, is there a chance that some random movie theater maybe played that movie or that, the, that like miniseries type of thing? Sure. But it would have been close to four hours long and it would have had to have been in the recent times where digital projectors became a thing because you know they weren't building reel to reel off some shit they showed on ABC for two nights and sending that out to movie theaters. <laughs> yep. That's not how the 90s worked. <laughs> the 90s didn't do that. You were lucky if you missed an episode of a TV show in the 90s that if in the summer you lucked out into seeing it on a rerun. Yes. Oh, Or God. you might have never seen it again. Or you might not have ever seen it. Because that's how shit was before the 2000s on TV. Yep. A hundred percent accurate. <laughs> Now, you might have rented it from from you might have rented it from from Blockbuster as a kid. That is a very real real possibility because they did put it out to buy and rent. It was a two VHS set to uh, watch it, which also used to be a thing. But yeah, just don't don't tell people you saw it in theaters. Don't say it was scary. Don't say any of these things because it's just not true. And if you don't believe me, go watch it. And if it did scare you as a child, you were a weak ass child. <laughs>
I will say this right now. There are episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark that were scarier than that bullshit. Oh, shit. Yeah, you brought up Are You Afraid of the Dark. Man. Man. The- <laughs> and I know this. And I'm not even bringing that up off some nostalgia bullshit. I'm saying this because I know it for a fact. Because I own every episode of the original run of Are You Afraid of the Dark on iTunes. And I have watched every single one of those within the last two years. I'm saying this off current knowledge that there are episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark that are more scary than the original It TV miniseries event. And that reminds me also, there are a lot of episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark that were just stupid bullshit and I can't believe they were ever made. Yeah, that's true too. Like, and then there are some that I actually want to see them expand upon. Like, there's that story where they had Tia and Tamara Maori, where the chameleon, or the they had they say it's a lizard, but it's like a chameleon thing or whatever. It bites her, and then it takes her place, and it tries to make her into a lizard too. And I think it does, and then it gets like she gets water splashed on her, and it undoes it. I remember but, that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great fucking concept for a a, a movie. I want to see that as a movie. There's a few of them that are just fun, dark concepts as a movie. And then there's some that are just stupid. So stupid. Oh, man. I'm going to go watch some of those. All right. Now, I do have to ask this. I was going to move on, but I have to ask this now. So, do you have an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark that just stands out with you forever? Like, that's just in your head and just stands out. Anytime you think of Are You Afraid of the Dark, this episode pops in your head. Do you have one of those, Justin? Man, you go first. God, it's been so okay. damn long. Mine. Let me think about it for a sec. The one, the one episode for me that always, always pops in my head was there's one with a leprechaun where the kid's in a play and this leprechaun, oh, it's a leprechaun or a fairy or something like that, whatever he is. He's an evil person. Is trying to like steal the kid's soul essentially or like his, his essence so he can stay young and all this other shit. And then. It's got another person who, oh no, this other person's a leprechaun. And like he teaches him the spell to stop him during the play and stuff that always pops in my head every time. I'm trying to, did I see that one? Damn, dude. Did I see that? Oh, there's one other, it's not another episode, but it's part of an episode. It's one of the main concepts of another episode that I always think of. There's that, that ghost kid that like fell in the frozen lake or whatever. And every time it pops up, he just goes, I'm cold i remember that one yes i remember that one that's something else that distinctly always think like pops in my head it's that leprechaun episode and just that little frozen ghost boy just constantly saying i'm cold those are like two of my fondest memories for are you afraid of the dark man i'm trying to remember there was one i want to say that there's one i'm thinking man there well there's two i'm thinking of but there was one where it was like it was a lady and it, there was like this powder like it was like a it was a powder that she could it was like supposed to be like a beauty powder but it would steal the person's face like what yes cuz it had was it has a very distinct scene where it shows somebody without a face like it's like a yeah and that was always freaky like to me yeah face. like the blank face that I always think about that 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 was that that that's a creepy looking thing with a per with just the no face that that I definitely remember that was definitely one and there's another one too there's one other one that I'm thinking of and it is just not coming to me I'm trying to think see 
there's there's another episode I think of a lot too that actually kind of ends on a happy note ish, but it's where this guy he like works at a bowling alley and he's like friends with his sister and there's always this girl and like he thinks this like something's like wrong with her or something like that like, like supernaturally wrong with her, but like all this other stuff and then it turns out that he was with that girl and they both died in a car crash. It's like their spirits are trying to come back together, but the sister like can still see him as a ghost and then finally lets him go at the end. So it's like that bittersweet moment. Oh, okay. And you're just like, oh, love. I'm telling you, I've got a weird, weird knowledge of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like there's the one where the extraterrestrials come and take over an apartment building floor and have this girl play games against her brother under the guise of they're testing out games for this toy company to sell. And it's actually to train her to like be an alien again. Damn. Yeah. I don't I don't think I saw that one. I don't think I remember that. Was it oh, wasn't there one with a scarecrow? Like they brought a scarecrow to life and he like, oh my God, what come on, Justin, think. I know there's one with the scarecrow. I know I'm not making that up. There is one with there's I, I was really surprised. I thought you would have brought up the Ghastly Grinner episode. I don't know why. I just was thinking you were gonna bring up the Ghastly Grinner. The one with the comic books where the ghastly grinner was like a version of the Joker. Oh, essentially. Yeah. The the blue and yellow gesture. Because I love the way that one ends because it ends with the the person like having the ghastly grin and stuff. No, mm. no. Nah, yeah. Lots of good ones. One. Yeah. Um, but we have now gone off track. But yep. <laughs> one thing uh, I, w- I want to do before we do in this episode is we are recording this randomly. Um. But the Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of the Skywalker, or Rise of Skywalker, whatever the fuck it's called, teaser came out. And me and Justin were chit-chatting a little bit before we started recording, and he had a very interesting take on some reactions that he's heard on the internet about this movie after seeing this teaser. And I thought, since I did a PSA earlier, Justin, if you wanted to like give your message to these people in the form of a PSA about this trailer too, I think you should. Cause I thought it was a very smart and good take on some of the fan reactions to this. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Like th- th- this is what bothers me about some of the reactions I'm seeing for this star Wars preview. You had all these haters and all these people that just swore up and down. They were done with star Wars after the last Jedi. Oh, it was so bad. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, I hated it. And you know what? I'm not going to see another Star Wars movie. This trailer comes out and let's and make no mistake about it. That 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 was a damn good trailer. I I like the trailer. I like some of the things they set up there. It's a it's a solid trailer. And then they they bait you with a little bit of nostalgia. You know, you see Lando, Billy D. Williams, and then there's the Emperor Palpatine laugh at the end of it. So now that now I'm seeing reactions and people are like, well, you know, I wasn't going to watch it, but I heard Palpatine laugh and I saw Lando and now I'm on board. And I'm like, really, guys, come on. Star Wars haters, you people that said that you would never watch another Star Wars again. Stand by your convictions, man. Why are you so fickle as a as a pro wrestler Daniel Bryan 
Um, that's a word he uses a lot lately, but it, but it applies here. Don't be fickle, man. If you're going to say you hate something, if you're going to say something can never win your trust back, if you're going to say something is the worst thing ever in the second movie and you're not going to watch another one after a two minute preview, now you're sold. Now you want to watch the third one. I thought you didn't like Ray. I thought Ray was a Mary Sue. Now you want to see the movie to see how her story turns out? I thought you didn't like The Last Jedi. I thought you hated how Luke went out. Now you hear Palpatine laugh and you're on board? Come on, man. You're fickle, man. You're fickle. And you know who you are. And I think it's funny, too, because like you brought up like Billy D. Williams as Lando and the Emperor Palpatine laugh and all this other stuff. And well, those are nice little tidbits. Like, that's nice. That's fine. The thing that made me want to see this movie, I mean, I'm past my normal apathetic state of it's a Star Wars movie. I don't really care. Was the fact that Ray takes down a version of a TIE fighter at the fucking like beginning? That was the highlight of the trailer. Hell yeah. Yeah, me too. I was like, that's fantastic. The way they set up that whole thing, the way it was shot and she just doing that like and she might not take it down. She might just jump over it, which is fine. But you and just you get that distinct feeling of she's going to lightsaber that wing off. Hell yeah. When she's doing that. So I really hope so. And you know what? You know what? I haven't seen other Jedis do that shit. Yeah. See, that's bringing new shit into this franchise, mm-hmm. which is what Star Wars needs. They need new shit. Quit living in the past. All you fucking decrepit gateway motherfuckers. Like you're not the gatekeepers of Star Wars. All right. Your version of Star Wars isn't the only version of Star Wars that exists. Star Wars is for everybody. Anybody can watch it. Anybody can like it. It's fine. Get over it. If now little girls like Star Wars because Ray's a badass and she just beats the fuck out of all these other people, so be it. Who cares? More people like Star Wars. That's not a bad thing. It's okay. It's okay that little girls can dress up as characters other than Princess Leia. That's that's fine. Like yes. Star Wars isn't going to end because of this. Like like you would hope that Star Wars would be so established that it could survive the deaths of Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. If it really is as deep and like intrinsic and just, you know, beyond all these things, why can it not survive the death of two characters? Like, why do these two character deaths matter so much? You know, because it's not called Luke Skywalker and the Star Wars. And then they kill Luke Skywalker and they ki- still keep trying to be the Star Wars. <laughs> It's the Star Wars. Like it, it, Star Wars is more than just Luke Skywalker. It can be more than just these central characters yes. that you think are the ones that matter. Like, let it be a universe. Don't have it be a small town of nine people. Let it be a universe. Exactly. Let there be more out there. I mean, fuck. I mean, with the way that these characters are just so intrinsic to the plot as all these people like to act, you would think that there are nine planets and each planet only has one person on them because these people lose their shit over just nine characters. And that's yeah. it. Like, calm the fuck yeah, down. Yeah, man. These are planets. Like just let there be more people. Like it's fine. It'll be okay. If star Wars is really as great as everybody likes to say it is, it would be able to withstand some of these things. If Star Wars is good enough to still be one of the best things out there after the prequel trilogy, it can handle what's happening now if it really is that good. Or you don't think it can, which means you're admitting it's not that good. 
I'm not saying you're not saying it's like the worst thing ever. I'm just saying you're not saying like when you say it's one of the greatest things ever, but it can't handle a couple of bad movies, then it's really not that good. You got a point. I mean, you're, these people like to act like everything that was Star Wars that came out before Disney bought it was 100% the best things that have ever been made. You know, all the books were great. All the video games were great. All the comic books were great. All the movies were great. Everything about Star Wars was 100% fantastic until Disney got its stupid little hands on it. <laughs> Come on, guys. Come on. Yeah. Ewoks. Ewoks alone disprove that. <laughs> the Ewok movies. Oh, you remember God, the Ewok the movies? The Ewok movies. Oh, God. The Ewok movies disprove that. It'll be okay. Because ultimately... If Star Wars is really that important to you guys, then watch this new movie. And if you don't like it, just say, hey, I didn't like it, but I'll just still watch the original trilogy and just get on with your life. Who fucking cares? <laughs> I like the the simple, who, who, who simple directions. Very simple directions. And get off your high horse with female characters not be a badasses man like or they can't be badasses and all this stuff i keep hearing about oh ray is a mary sue how does she just she just got powerful for no reason really fast and all this stuff like that you didn't complain about it when it happened in the other star wars movies because if anybody's an uh mary sue and star wars it's anakin skywalker i mean he was beating it's luke skywalker. yeah him too but I feel like Anakin even is more guilty. Like, he won a pod race. He's a little slave boy. When did he have time to pod race and be good enough to race against these people who've been pod racing for years? Nobody said anything about his Mary Sue abilities to pod race. Okay, maybe he had the Force. Okay, well then why was he like the greatest Jedi ever? The only explanation we ever got was he has mitochlorids. He has more than everybody else. Okay. So that's why he gets to be Dooku. That's why he just gets to go through everybody. That's why he gets to uh, kill um, all of the, basically all of the Jedi and everything like that, just because of more mitochlorids. And yeah, maybe he did some training in between those movies in the trilogy, but when he, but if the in the scene when he goes, my power is twice what it is before. Well, how is nobody else training? How come nobody else's power could increase? And nobody else is training. Well, well, it's like Luke Skywalker goes from shooting womp rats with one of those triangular looking ship fucks that they have on Tatooine that they like fly around in the canyons in to all of a sudden he can fly an X wing and take down the Death Star. True. Very true. In the one yeah. movie. Dude, that shit takes place over like five days. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's like saying, that's like saying I can fly like one of those little planes that does like the crop dusting. So I can fly an F-18. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, but I mean, and that's what they do with them. That's what they did with Luke. How did he have the expertise? And it was the same thing. And then they just, you know, in a way they repeated it with Anakin because those movies came later, although technically they take place before. But it was the same kind of thing, except Anakin was a small child. So they said, you know what? 
we'll just make him a small child. Luke was a man and learned how to do it. Well, Anakin will do it as a child. That'll make him even better. But well, yeah, you know, you're you're absolutely like, right. What? But why does that get to be okay? At least Ray is not a baby in her fucking diapers beating Kylo Ren in a, a lightsaber <laughs> fight. And and that's the thing too is they established the Ray character at the beginning of. Force Awakens, as she's been on this desert planet that's not Tatooine, but on this desert planet fighting for survival. Exactly. For years. So she's got fighter instincts. Yes, she's got a better backstory. And she like and and yes, she's got fighter instincts and she has the force. We saw that. We saw evidence of that. She didn't know exactly how to do everything. She hadn't mastered it because that's what the second movie is about. That's why she had to go meet Luke Skywalker. She never mastered these things, and neither has Kylo Ren. How hard is it to understand that they are not well, at the peak of their powers? They have both been training. Well, you can also oh, argue, though. Be, well, no, with Kylo, though, you can also argue he took one of those bow blaster bolts, like a shot, in Force Awakens before he fought Rey. Yeah, so he was injured. Like that, that Chewbacca Very bolt. true. That is true, and nobody ever says he that. He took one of yes, those. He was injured, and it shows. It shows in that movie too. Somebody gets hit by one of those and flies back. So that's obviously a very powerful blast, and he took it and still. Yes. Fought. So that's why it becomes an even fight. He's severely injured. So yes, yeah, she can hold her own against severely injured Kylo with no training. That makes sense. Yeah. If you if you put me up in a fight against an MMA fighter and you just broke four of his ribs and one and his strong arm, I feel like I might not die instantly. Yeah. And you still may not beat him, but maybe you survive. Is that not okay? Yeah. Are you I a might... Mary Sue? Because yeah. you survived that situation? No. <laughs> I'm just thinking if he's like, you know, if he's right hand dominant and his right arm's broken and I know his ribs on his right side are broken too. I know. I could probably hold my own for a little bit at least, which she did also with Finn too. Like Finn was fighting too. Sure was. So it makes, it makes perfect sense why that fight plays out like it did. Like he is an infinitely better fighter than her at that point. He is infinitely more powerful in the force than mm -hmm. she is. But fuck, that guy took a bolt blaster hit. Yeah. Like he fucking took a hit. He's like, yeah. He, it's understandable why he's not just dominating it. Like it makes sense within the context of the movie. It really does. It's all lined up there. And on top of that, he's also got some weird emotional distractional damage because he did just murder his own father too. Exactly. So you could argue that as far as his knowledge and use of the force, he was conflicted. All this shit was happening. Like this guy wasn't, he wasn't at 100% focus either way. He was very conflicted and confused, and he was trying to test himself to kind of see if he could fully go dark. Like, there was a lot of mental going on there. He wasn't 100%. This was not him 100% preparation and ready to go, and Ray just, just breaks even with him. Now, that would have been some bullshit. But guys, that was not the situation. And y'all keep lying about it like it was. And then on top of that, now, like, 
then we, we move on past that. And then you see that throne room fight scene with Ren and Rey at the end of Last Jedi. And you tell me you still don't like Rey? Come on, yeah. guys. Yeah, come, come on. on. That was so good. It was good. good. That was one of my... F- that that fight alone was better than every single fight in those prequel trilogies. I mean, that fight alone was better than every fucking fight in Star Wars. And and I don't mean that as a knock against the original trilogy. It's just, come on, look at the fight choreography back then versus now. Yes. And it wasn't just all quick cuts here, quick cuts there. There were some great pan outs during that fight. And the camera was doing was going around to different parts. And you got a sense of where they were in the room. And, you know, it wasn't just cut, 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 cut. Cut, 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 cut. All right, the fight is over. They didn't do it that way. It was awesomely choreographed. Or it wasn't a bunch of just CGI bullshit. Yes. Yep. In in the prequel Mm -hmm. trilogies. You know, it just wasn't all this weird, like, garbage. So, it it works. So, that's the PSA for Star Wars. All right, Justin. So, ultimately, all this, it's it's culminating at this point, you know, everything we've done and talked about, including Star Wars, even talking about Star Wars leads up to this right here would you recommend like so would you recommend pet cemetery and what score would you ultimately give it okay so for pet cemetery man i'm you know i'm 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 50 50 with this movie i am totally split down the middle so that's what i'm gonna do i'm i'm gonna go with a thumbs in the middle leaning upwards so let's say I'm going to give it 55 great ideas that just weren't fully realized to the fullest of their potential out of 100 uh, percent overall. And so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm leaning upwards, but I'm very, very kind of split on this movie. Like there were some good ideas presented here. There were some things about this movie I actually liked. I appreciated the cast and I appreciated the acting and um, and I forget her name. We, we mentioned her earlier, but man, she just did such an excellent job um, playing the revived child in this movie. I just um, really enjoyed that performance. And so I have to give it credit where credit is due. And overall, I do think that this is a better version of the movie than the original version. I think that over time, that original version kind of has not aged well. And now you can kind of clearly see the acting problems and things like that and the story problems. I think this fixes a lot of those things and presents some new ideas that are very, very, very interesting. But because it made so many mishaps along the way, because it made so many mistakes and failed to develop moments and really capitalize on building to certain suspenseful moments, instead kind of settling for cheap thrills like what we talked about, I can't quite give this movie a passing score for those reasons. But overall, I do recommend that you go see this. If you were a fan of the original Pet Cemetery, and you like that, go see this one because you're going to want to be a part of that conversation that you want, you're going to want to compare and contrast, and you'll enjoy some of the changes here. I think some of them will throw you for a loop because it purposely plays games with those who have seen the original movie. So overall, I do recommend this. 
Um, is it the scariest movie this year? No, not by a long shot. Us is definitely better than this as far as horror or scary movies are concerned. Um, but hey, uh, but hey, if you've got extra money and extra time and we're kind of in a lull right now waiting for the big movie like Endgame. So why not? So why not go and give this a shot? So, yes, I am going to recommend. Well, I kind of recommend this movie. Um, I've got <laughs> way less conditions than you. It's just if you're bored and you literally have nothing else you can do, fuck it, go watch it. I mean, you might as well. Um, if it comes on HBO or Netflix or Hulu, fuck it, watch it. Who cares? Um, if you're just kind of on the fence about it, though, and it's, you know, to see it in theaters, you can kind of skip it and just wait. It's I don't think it's necessarily worth a, a movie ticket on. Um, I mean, unless you've really got nothing else to do or you, if you're not on the fence and you if you want to see it, then, yeah, definitely go see it. Um, I think there's enough there that would uh, warrant seeing it if you want to. But like I said, if you're on the fence or less than that, wait till it's streaming somewhere online for free. You know, many Hulu. Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO, you know, any of the movie channel things like just wait till then if you're on the fence or lower. It's and it, then I think you should watch it. But other than that, eh, you can skip it if you want. Um, My score is close to yours, just a tad bit lower. I'd just give it a straight up 50, 50 percent. I think for all the visuals and amazing acting that this movie has, the narrative just lets every single aspect of that down. You know, you have John Lithgow and that little girl giving you performances for the ages mm -hmm. and and for a story that does not deserve those performances. If John Lithgow had phoned it in, it would make more sense. But he didn't because John Lithgow is a motherfucking professional <laughs> and he came in and did his fucking job. And I feel bad for him because this movie was not good enough for the fucking job he gave. Like that performance he gave, the job he did, this movie was not good enough and did not deserve that. I wish he had phoned it in. Like <laughs> it's it would fit in this movie because I feel like the fucking director and screenwriter phoned it in. So why not him as a supporting actor? But no, he's a goddamn professional and fucking did it. And so did that little girl. That little girl fucking hit a home run in a game that they were losing 23 to zero. Yeah, yeah. She fucking hit a home run at the bottom of the ninth, and then the next person got an out. Like, <laughs> it's, it's you know, she did a great job, and it's something that ultimately just doesn't matter. It, it's a straight-up 50. It's It really is. It depends on your mood. If you're in an extra grumpy mood that day, you might end up giving it lower than that and hating it. If you're just in a, you know, say la vie, nothing's going to phase you mood, you know, you might love it. Like it really could go any, any direction. Yeah. It's just and that in the middle. I totally feel you on that. And maybe that's where I am. Maybe I'm just feeling, um, in, in a better mood, which is why I probably went a little above the 50, but man, I just can't ignore how much I enjoyed Lithgow and how much I enjoyed that little girl and how much I enjoyed some of the concepts that they set up in this movie. So I, I want to give it. I really wish I could give desire. This really could have blown expectations out of the water. 
but it just didn't quite do that, man. And like you said, the narrative just doesn't, it isn't good enough for it to be able to do that. But boy, did it have potential. Boy, did it have the pieces in order to do it. It was like it had everything it needed to make something excellent. But then when the builders got there, they just did not make what they could have. And that's really the story of this film. See, I mean, I, I can break it down very easily. All right. 20% of my score was for that little girl's acting. 15% of my score was for Lithgow. So we're sitting at 35%. 7.5% was for everybody else's acting. It's it's great. It's great acting. But just mm-hmm. none of them live up to those other two. And then the mm-hmm. other 7.5% was the visuals. Nice. Nice. They'll look what because they put. without if any of those were not... 100% what they were, it would instantly drop below 50 in a fucking heartbeat. Like, if that little girl was not as great as she was, I could very easily knock 20% off my score and feel perfectly okay with it. <laughs> like, it's it's just things like that. It's, it, I, it is so easy to break down for that, like, that script, that director, they, they lit everybody down in this movie. Yeah. It, 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 Everyone else showed up, and I feel so bad that those people didn't, because ultimately they're the ones that can make or break a movie. Mm-hmm. When the script is, and I mean, maybe it falls on the directors, because you know maybe the script was there, and that's why Lithgow and that little girl gave rock star performances, and the director, and you know maybe the editor, maybe just someone fucking let them down. Yeah, they just didn't put the movie together or didn't envision it properly to utilize what the fuck they were given. I yeah. mean, these people were given like fucking awesome like like diamonds that were like all they just needed was some nice cutting and a polish and you'd have some great fucking jewelry for you and then they just ended up nicking a little too much off and then they ended up with just some smaller diamonds that they you know while they were like they're they look pretty and they were you know they're still diamonds they're not what they could have been you know I just feel like maybe they weren't experienced maybe that's why maybe the directors just weren't experienced enough to like really shape what they were given i mean and it's really really sad too because i found out later that even stephen king signed off on some of the ideas that were presented here because he saw the movie and you know he wasn't exactly going oh it's a great movie but he even said that and I, and who knows, uh, maybe this is abridged what he said, or who knows how sincere he was being, unless he was just trying to support fellow filmmakers. But they talked to him about the changes and having, um, man, what is the daughter's name? I want to say Allie, but I feel like that's not right. But having the daughter die instead of the son and different things like that. And he thought, movie-wise, that was a good idea. You know, he even said, man, I think that was a good idea. I wish I had thought of that because having her come back and then showing the dynamic of her being back and them interacting with the family. He said, I wish I had thought of that when I made the movie or when I helped make the movie or when I wrote it. Like there were even some ideas presented here that he even liked. And it's just a shame that we didn't realize any of those. So, man, it's just a shame. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on that. And But, I mean, at the same time, I want to say, take what Stephen King says with a grain of salt, because he doesn't like the Shining movie. True. So, <laughs> that is very true. There. Good point. Touche. Take that for what you will. 
I mean, but he does like the ending of the the remake of The Mist with uh, what's his name? Um, fucker from Hung and Punisher. He was in the new Predators movie. Uh, Thomas Jane. Yes. Yes. He, yes. 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 He does like the 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 ending of that that Mist remake. Which for anybody who doesn't know, that is a super fucked up ending. It's if Stephen King is jealous of how dark and twisted an ending is to one of his stories, you know, they did something crazy. <laughs> and while that movie isn't necessarily the best movie, in, you know, out there, what it does at the end of the movie totally makes it worth watching. So I'll recommend that movie in a heartbeat, <clears throat> but don't do it if you're sad. <laughs> Cause if you watch that ending and you're sad, it might put you in a place you don't want to be. I'll just say that. So be careful with that. Damn. Okay. So other than that, guys, if you've seen Pet Cemetery, let us know what you think. If you've got thoughts on Star Wars, let us know what you think. This, like I said, this is like a little bonus episode. Me and Justin both saw this movie. So we just thought we'd talk about it, you know, give you guys something a little extra to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, like I always say, check us out on the internet, www.cinemaslayers.com. Uh, Instagram, cinema underscore slayers, Twitter's cinema underscore slayers, Facebook's just cinema slayers. Uh, check us out on that. We have something very special possibly coming up for you guys based off one of the, the more recent episodes, the reboot, reboot theater of Manos, the hands of fate. We, we have some intriguing development since that podcast that we hope it works out. And I, I feel bad for teasing it if it doesn't, but we had some, we had some, things happened since then and if we do get to do an episode based on that i really think it would be awesome for you guys and i cannot wait for that episode it's probably if we do get to do this episode it's probably going to be one of the most exciting things uh i've done on this podcast uh, yes with this. uh it's uh we're working hard to make sure it happens and if it does i really think it's going to be a really super awesome treat for you guys and i cannot wait uh, to do this if we get to, and we're going to open it up for some uh, interactions from you guys. Uh, if we get to do it, it will be a slightly interactive episode. So stay tuned. I will definitely keep you posted if we doesn't, if it doesn't, uh, or if it does or doesn't happen. And if it doesn't happen, I will at least let you guys know what we were trying to do just so you guys will know why I was excited about this. But other than that, guys, remember this. The master of the nunchucks, Moon Knight himself, according to Jastin, is a Best Picture winner. (laughs) 